Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 201 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and I'm joined today by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Not well, Seth. I am, I am dying here. <laughs> West Coast... <laughs> West Coast colds always feel the worst, Seth. I, I, I feel very <laughs> guilty every time I get sick living on the West Coast because I don't know what it is outside, like 60 degrees or something, <laughs> and I'm sick. CVM is also sick this week. It's just not a good week for West Coast people and their health, I guess. Well, it, it's 20 degrees and snowy here, but I am not sick, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully you get better soon. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for uh, for toughing it out, because we actually have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. So uh, today's podcast, we're going to not focus so much on the actual gameplay of Magic, but uh, some big picture stuff that came out in the next uh, in the past week. So first off, we had a major esports announcement, and we've been kind of talking about this, uh, wondering about it for a while now, the Game Awards announcement. So we're going to break that down. There is a lot to digest there. Uh, now, we also had some Magic Online stuff, specifically with the economy, which is somewhat related to the esports announcement. We're going to dive into that. Then, just today, we had an announcement that uh, they're changing the chat, the way they're doing chat on coverage starting this coming weekend at Worlds, or uh, rather the World Magic Cup. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. And of course, hit up your fish mail. So that's the plan for today. Before we jump into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy. Their online courses come from some of the best players in Magic's history, like PVDDR, also Reed Duke, so check them out over at SpikesAcademy.com, and you can even get 10% off with the code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, go to Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So thank you so much to Spikes Academy for their support. And with that out of the way... Let's talk about this announcement. So we had been waiting for this OP announcement for a while now. They were doing the Wizards infamous announce the announcement thing, so everyone was waiting. We finally got it, and I gotta say, the news is pretty big. It is pretty big. So, uh, Richard, have you actually read over this announcement? Uh, can you give me your just your gut reaction to the whole thing? And then we'll kind of delve into it point by point. Like, good, bad, excited, unexcited. What do you think overall? $10 million, Seth. $10 million. Not what we expected. Magic Prize Pool hasn't grown in, like, forever. And they just dropped a bombshell of $10 million going into the prize pool for 2019. They dropped the announcement early. They said 9 p.m. Eastern during the uh, the Game Awards, but uh, like three hours early, some random article went up with all the details and we're like, okay, $10 million. So $10 million is the key takeaway. Magic is not dying. Magic is getting bigger and stronger. And I am I was just shocked. I didn't expect this level of investment from Hasbro, from Wizards. So regardless of the details, and we're Magic players, so we're, we're obviously gonna complain about this $10 million in some way or form, but it is $10 million and it shows that Wizards is serious about uh, esports and uh, Magic as a serious competition. Yeah, that's the big thing that kind of jumps off the page. $10 million is 
that's a lot of money compared to uh, what we think of for Magic tournaments, where like a Pro Tour is $250,000. We had like the big combined weekend that added up to a million dollars with Pro Tour 25th anniversary with like team series and a whole bunch of stuff thrown in. But $10 million is a really big number. And uh, it's very exciting when you read the headline, although it's also worth pointing out Exactly how much new money this amounts to is not 100% clear because uh, this is $10 million for organized play. I think the way they put it is you can win $10 million up the prize pool across 2019 for digital and tabletop is $10 million. And that means uh, when you think of the things that are being cut, which is kind of another story, which is uh, some paper events, we're not going to have the Magic World Cup anymore, we're not going going to have airfare for uh, pro tour events. So when you consider the stuff being cut, I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure it is an increase in prizes, but it's definitely a good way to generate headlines and for Magic to kind of like legitimize themselves as a real esport. I think the next big takeaway from this is uh, that $10 million is split between digital and also tabletop. And we're going to be seeing Arena very soon in the upper echelons of Magic play. So uh, starting the first big tournament is at PAX East in Boston. It's a million-dollar Magic Arena tournament. Uh, Invitational, so uh, we don't know exactly who will be there at this tournament or how that'll work out. We're supposed to find out in January. Uh, But what do you think about that, Richard? Are you... We kind of thought that this would be coming to Arena. Are you surprised that it's coming in March, like a few months from now. Is this happening sooner than you would have expected? No, I I don't know. So yes, so no one expected Arena to be this popular, I guess. And WotC, remember that they just changed the Pro Tour structure a couple months ago. They're like, okay, for next year, we're going to have six Pro Tours, blah, blah, blah. Threw it all out the window because Arena was a raging success. That's That's what people are thinking. So it makes sense. This is a quote unquote esports announcement. And I don't know if you could do that solely off tabletop. So the push into arena and the fact that the prize pool is being split equally, although I'm reading the article now and it used to say split equally between arena and tabletop. Did they edit that part out or is it still here somewhere, Seth? So uh, there's not really much there about Magic Online at all. It's all about... uh (laughs) <laughs> about arena and also tabletop and apparently we're getting some some new terms uh, they referred to paper magic as now tabletop magic and digital magic uh, appears to be primarily arena based and there's still a lot that is unknown about what this actually means moving forward as far as like the split of events uh, they are actually changing the name of pro tours we're not going to have pro tours anymore which I think uh, my prediction from last episode that within by episode 400 we would not have pro tours i think i was proved correct in like five days or something so that one happened pretty fast but now we have mythic championships and mythic championships are both on arena and including what we normally think of as pro tours like those high level paper events and the end result is they change a lot of stuff from their last announcement and this is something i really wanted to ask you about richard so only a month or two ago 
we got that six pro tour announcement that you mentioned and it was pretty hype like we're really supporting pro play we're going to have all these more pro tours it's going to be super awesome we're doing this with qualifiers are going to be smaller like they went pretty in depth with that announcement and now they're saying well we're canceling two of those pro tours we're going to have these uh arena events in between what do you make of the fact that things change so quickly do you think that wizards knew all along that this was happening and felt like they needed to announce something about Pro Tours because everyone was getting antsy and figured, well, we can correct it later once we do the second announcement. Or do you think this all came together really quickly in like the past couple months and two months ago, they really thought there was going to be six paper Pro Tours and now we're going to have four paper Pro Tours and these arena events mixed in? I think it just all changed really quickly. I think there were a bunch of suits at Hasbro. They turned on Twitch and they're like, wait, what is this? Is this Magic Arena number one in the TCG slot? Are we beating Hearthstone even though we put money into it? They're like, oh my God, call, call, call Watsy. And then they just flipped it all, right? They're like, here, have more money. We're, we're, we're cashing up to Hearthstone. Just keep the momentum going. Esports this, esports that, throw millions of dollars. And here we are today because there's no reason to say, okay, we're going to change the Pro Tour structure. We're going to invent the team series. Remember the team series uh, was, was just invented, right? And everyone started investing into teams. That's all gone, right? So I, I find it really hard to believe that Watsi would push for all of these knowing that they would go away. It seems more like everything was moving a lot more smoothly than they planned. And they actually managed to release... Uh, arena on time people are playing it it's popular uh they have people from other games switching over into it and then they're like okay we're going all in here we go put all the money into arena and put it all into esports right so i think that's what's happening and i think it's something to do with maybe uh people outside the game like hasbro coming in and saying okay here have more money change your plans do this and they're like okay i guess we will we'll take all your money and and do this and i think that's what happened uh that i mean that could definitely make sense that it came from the hasbro end uh, kind of an aside on that how big do you think arena really has been as far as like streaming and stuff because is there any chance that the numbers hasbro are looking at is 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 similar to what we see on reddit sometimes where they're like yeah arena beat hearthstone and then you look at it and it's like well thirty thousand of those were a paid streamer that had never played magic before or is because they uh, embedded their streams on some network and they're kind of like not totally real organic views like do you think it really has been such a big deal that you change all your plans on last minute notice or are we kind of conflating the advertising aspect of arena which has been propping up some of the stream numbers with organic success i think it's real and the proof is 10 million dollars right if it's false then we're just gonna brute force it anyway like fake it till you make it (laughs) and but i really think it's true i think the reason why they're investing so heavily is because it's working you didn't see duels of the planeswalker and then boom 10 million dollars investment right you but magic arena uh, you know, we maybe it's not as successful for enfranchised players like ourselves. There are people still trying to hold on to Moto and things like that and Paper Magic. But if you think of, I don't know, your cousin who's never played Magic the Gathering in their life ever, 
would you feel comfortable introducing them to Magic Arena? I would, right? So I, I think that's the crowd that's being hooked in. And because there's so many of them, it's it's time to rope them up in the, the eSports hype and just invest more money, right? And then those people will become the next generation of Magic players because today, most Magic players are in the same demographic, right? Where kind of people that have played the game for a long time and we know what all the cards are and things like that. And this this fresh blood of new Magic Arena players, I think, is where they see the opportunity to grow. And I, I think the, the numbers are real, right? Like Magic Arena is doing very well. Like we, we know the streaming scene has increased dramatically since Magic Arena showed up. And even if it's just a 50% increase or 100% increase, uh, it's still an increase. And that's enough for Hasbro to invest more into this, which is which is what we want, right? We want them to put money into this, uh, real or not. We want them to put resources into this to make it grow uh, organically, or if not, just just grow it with money, right? Just throw the money at it and <laughs> make it grow, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely undeniable that Arena has been a huge success. Like, there's no doubt about that. I, uh, there is some... It's not necessarily as huge of a success if you just look at the Twitch views as you might see just by looking at the numbers, but there's no doubt if you dig behind everything, uh, it has definitely been a massively successful release, and uh, arguably maybe it's caught wizards by surprise to some extent and that's why we're seeing this happening so quickly uh, i think they were definitely hoping for arena to be a success but i think it's been even more of a success uh, or a faster success than they were even envisioning with the release coming out so uh, that's definitely exciting news another big part of this announcement which is pretty interesting is uh, they're kind of going all in on the pro scene to some extent so we still like a lot of parts of this announcement we're waiting some specific details but they are creating a magic pro league which is uh, basically going to replace the old system of having golds and platinums and silvers uh, they're doing this completely new uh, we don't know the exact details but what we do know is the top 32 players are basically going to get a $75,000 base salary in contracts for playing and streaming and that's not including the potential tournament winning which is theoretically going up as well with this $10 million prize pool. Uh, so what do you think about this change? Do you think this is going back to some of uh, Jerry Thompson's criticism and sitting out worlds? Like, if, uh, for these 32 players, Magic is suddenly a pretty legitimate career. 75 grand is above the average income in the United States, and that's not even including tournament winning. So what do you think about this, Richard? So I, I don't think it's related to Jerry Thompson's thing, because that is too soon for such a change to happen. And this is pretty much the standard across esports. Like you have a very, 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 very small group of pros, right? Like 32 out of all Magic players is very small. Uh, if you look at NFL, if you look at any other sport, it's a tiny amount of players out of all players in the world that get this privileged status. But once you're in, you get paid well, you have consistent income, your face is shown on a weekly basis. Uh, so this is all typical sports and esports things. The salary is a bit low, but you know, it, it's high for the average person. But remember, you're the top 32 magic player in the world, right? But I, I suspect it'll grow over time, right? Uh, but it is a very good first step, especially if you're in kind of the 
Platinum Pro Club, Hall of Famer Club. Like if you're already in the top echelon of Magic, suddenly you just got a lot of money, right? Like if you're, I don't know, a John Finkel, an LSV, or someone who actually wants to spend all their time grinding, all of a, all of a sudden you have a great avenue to do that. Uh, where it sucks, it's for the other pros where you're pretty good, but not good enough to break the top 32. Things probably got a lot harder for you. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. But usually with these kind of things, they have some kind of mechanism for you to promote yourself into this. So sports, sports, you don't really see this. Sports is like when the city runs out of money, you, your team gets sold. <laughs> but for other <laughs> esports, usually like the low ranking, so maybe the, the bottom eight, uh, they have to play for their spot at the end of every season against eight up and coming people. And whoever wins gets to stay in the league, uh, and then whoever loses drops out. And usually you have some kind of relegation process like that. But it's yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, now you have pro players with salaries, and you're gonna know them because it's the same 32 players playing consistently for a couple of weeks or months, however long the season goes. Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of like how they do uh European football or soccer. Like over there, that's the norm is you have uh, relegation and uh, the worst performing teams each season, uh, a couple of them drop off. The teams that did best in the lower leagues move up. So there is this constant up and down action going on. And we don't know exactly how that's going to work with this system. We do know that it's happening. That is part of the system. There will be a way for new people to break in and for uh, presumably some of those 32 players to drop back off. It's going to be very beneficial to be one of those 32 players right away because it sounds like at least for year number one, that 32 is stable for the entire year. So if you're one of those 32, you are locked in for 2019. And along with that contract, uh, based on the little bits of information we're getting about the tournament scene, like the tournament we were talking about at PAX East, the top 32, uh, those pros are going to be there and they're going to be playing against other people who maybe qualify in a different way that is not yet known. But it's going to be all those 32 plus challengers that are battling in that million dollar tournament uh, so it's definitely super good news if you're one of the top 32 players it's going to be very interesting because there's some uh, there's some weird scenarios as well someone like john finkel i don't think he's a top 32 player if you go by pro points and we haven't heard anything uh, about the hall of fame other than it's changing and that the way they're doing the hall of fame is going to be different starting next year so uh, someone like finkel or kai like do you think these players will be part of it like who are you expecting when we see these top 32 names we don't even know the criteria from which they're being selected are we going to see like uh, big name Hearthstone streamers? Are we going to see Hall of Famers who are like semi active? Are we going to see literally like go down the pro point ranking and the top 32 make the cut? What are you expecting from this group, Richard? I, I expect something to do with pro point ranking and some kind of tournament to, to get in. Finkel doesn't play regularly enough. So if he wants to get in, if he played regularly, I think he could make it. It could be that it takes him a couple seasons. I know in yeah. other sports like StarCraft, you have these people that are trying to break into the league and people are like, this guy is actually the best player. But every time he goes to qualify, he plays like the second best player and they knock themselves out and then they can't actually make it in and it takes them like two, three seasons to get in. You might have that situation where, let's say, uh, I don't know, Owen Turnwald, right? A lot of pros say he's like one of the best players, period. 
right? You would expect him to be here because he still actively grinds. And if he's that good, you expect him to be here. But it may be that due to bad luck, he can't get out of his qualifiers, right? Due to variance in magic, it takes him you know, six months, 12 months, two years to actually qualify and get into here. And maybe the first season he's in, he just has bad runnings and he gets knocked out. Who knows, right? That's part of the variance and that's part of kind of the excitement, I guess. It's like football where you have like the best team ever and then week one, five of your starters get injured and you're like, what? (laughs) Right? And then suddenly (laughs) you're the worst team in the NFL. Like that's, that's, mulling the four and top decking nothing but lands or something in magic right that can happen and maybe the quote-unquote best players don't actually make it in so i think a big question moving forward is what this means for uh the players that don't quite make that group because i think right now there's more than 32 platinum pros so even that top 32 even if they just went by pro club status pro points it wouldn't even include all of the people that are currently platinum and that doesn't even include all the gold pros the silver pros etc 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 so do you think overall for uh people who are trying to make a living at competitive magic uh, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing is this just going to concentrate all of the wealth in the hands of 32 people and if you are the 33rd person all of a sudden uh, magic is no longer a legitimate career like it would be right now as like a low level platinum pro where you get your invites you make some content or do you think even if you're not in that top 32 you're still going to be able to do the content uh, grind tournaments and still kind of get along more or less like you are today as far as playing tournament magic i think it's gonna feel bad if you're number 33 but I think net overall, it'll be good. I think the exposure, the additional exposure to Magic, uh, the fact that if Magic is one of the top esports, if you're a good streamer, if you're you know a high quality player, uh, you can still make a living off streaming and things like that, right? It's not possible today, but if Magic was a lot more popular because of the top 32 pros, uh, you get to piggyback off that and ride that wave. So I think overall, it will be better. Although... Uh, it might kind of suck if you are the 33rd person. But if you're the 33rd person, it means you're pretty close to becoming top 32. So maybe next season you get in. So you, you have that going for you. But I, I think overall it will be good, even if you're not uh, in the league itself. Because just magic will be more popular. People will tune in. Uh, maybe the pros are too busy doing their tournaments. So they'll watch number 33 streaming and you get all the views. Like... I think there'll be a lot of trickle-down effect. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the hope, is that this is just seeing that huge number that's never existed before in Magic, like that $10 million number, that it's going to do the kind of rising all ships things, where yes, obviously, if you're in the top 32, this is absurdly good for you. This is what you've been wanting, is Magic being a a somewhat stable career, although still, like, it is a season-by-season, which looks like year by year at least for 2019 maybe that changes in the future but but there still is some risk involved if you quit your job to be professional magic player and then drop out of the top 32 uh, but still it does make it a much more stable career for the top 32 and hopefully it's a good thing for everyone else as well 
So uh, before we move on from this announcement, along with all this exciting new stuff, we have some stuff that is going away. So Richard, uh, I'm going to list off some things that are not happening anymore. And let me know how big of a deal you think it is that we will no longer have this aspect of magic. So number one, nationals. No more nationals. What do you think about that? Eh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's cool to <laughs> Did be you ever... champion of your country, but I'm sure there's going to be some equivalent of this somewhere else. I, I don't know. Along the same lines, uh, World Magic Cup. The last one will be happening next weekend uh, in Barcelona. No World Magic Cup in 2019. Team Series, you mentioned that earlier. That's going away. Pro Club also going away, although uh, we'll see. There's going to be some sort of way for people to move in and out of those top 32 slots. So there will be some sort of system there, but it's not going to be the same exact Pro Club. And I think uh, for me, the big takeaway is a lot of this feels like not great news for non-North American players. Like, I feel like we're spoiled in the U.S., where we have GPs very regularly. We have the SCG circuit. We have tons of events. Uh, I think in other countries, things like Nationals or the World Magic Cup, I think those are really important events to other parts of the world that we kind of uh, are just, we're spoiled because we have so much magic here. So do you feel like overall this announcement is going to be a negative for uh, players from other parts of the world. Maybe for tabletop magic, but I'm guessing net overall, it'll be a huge win for them uh, if they're able to play Magic Arena. So we, we don't know anything about the Magic Arena tournaments, right? But if the $10 million prize pool split between Arena and tabletop, like the original announcement said, right? Then all of these people uh, that that you know are in the United States suddenly have access to the Magic Arena tournament. So they suddenly have access to a lot more tournaments uh, to offset their loss in tabletop. So my guess is overall, if you're willing to play Arena and switch to the digital space, you actually have a lot more opportunity. Uh, but but I, I don't know. Like There are no details of anything. So everyone is just speculating at this point. Yeah, there is definitely still a lot to uh, be revealed, which hopefully will be coming soon. I mean, with the first tournament coming the end of March, we're going to start figuring out these top 32 players, qualifying systems in the next month or two. We have to. Like, there's not really any other option. So we're going to be getting that news soon. Uh, before we move on to some other somewhat related topics, any other thoughts on this huge esports announcement, Richard? All right, I'll, I'll segue into your announcement for you, Seth. Notice that in any of this, it's not even digital magic that they say. It's just Magic Arena. Zero mention of Magic Online. They're not even attempting to sweep it under some kind of digital magic umbrella. It's just straight up Magic Arena and tabletop. So Magic Online is just missing from this announcement altogether. So do you still believe that Magic Online will be supported hand in hand for enfranchised players, experienced players going forward, Seth? I I still I still do. I think what? so I <laughs> This was supposed to be the point the ten million dollar point that shattered that expectation, Seth. <laughs> Your my expectations refuse to be shattered. So uh, that was the next topic we want to talk about is Magic Online, and it has been a very interesting week in in the history of Magic Online. And Magic Online has had some very interesting weeks over the course of its illustrious history. But this has been a good one. So uh, to talk about Magic Online briefly, 
Earlier last week, there was an article on Channel Fireball about uh, the Magic Online economy, how much prices had declined. Uh, it was kind of unfortunately titled How Magic Arena Was Killing Magic Online, when most of the article was about treasure chests and reprints and prices declining. Uh, so that caused a small panic uh, among Magic Online players, some people selling their collection. And then later that week, we got the eSports announcement, which, as Richard said, it doesn't mention Magic Online at all. There are some references to across digital magic, etc. But if you see anything about the tournaments, uh, the mythic championship events, those are all either tabletop, meaning paper, or Magic Arena. There's no Magic Online mentioned in there. Uh, they have clarified a little bit on Twitter, like you can qualify for tabletop, Mythic Championships through Magic Online. So there is, not in the announcement, but lurking a little bit beneath the surface, there is a, there's a tiny bit of Magic Online in there. But this led to an even bigger panic and even more people selling their collections to the point where uh, by like last Friday, most of the major Magic Online bots had stopped buying collections. They had stopped buying tickets. Uh, things have since recovered, not all the way back to where they were, but prices have gone back up. Bots have started buying. Ticket prices are heading back towards normal. So it seems like the worst of that is over. But I think there is a really big question uh, based on all of these things of what to expect from Magic Online going forward. And uh, from what you were saying, Richard, you seem to think this is a pretty pretty big negative for Magic Online. What's it, what's your feelings based on where we're at right now? Yeah, so so again, so not to add to the panic, right? So Magic Online is going to exist for a while. Uh, the things it does, it will continue to do. But it's clear that Wizards is not putting any resources into this. They did not section off anything for Magic Online. They did not even say you start on Magic Arena and then you do the Magic Online thing and then you graduate in the tabletop. They, that is all gone in this announcement. So if the highest level of Magic play is in this $10 million prize pool esports league thing and Magic Online is missing, do we still believe their argument that Magic Online is for the most competitive players and blah, 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 right? And I don't believe that. And it's surprising to me that they didn't put anything here. Uh, like, you know, PTQs, whatever the new PTQs are, uh, new ways to qualify for the Mythic uh, Championships and things like that with Magic Online. Maybe they'll add one eventually just to, you know stem the bleeding for Moto, but the fact that it's not in the initial announcement is very telling. And the fact that $10 million, half of which going to Arena, the other half going to Tabletop, and nothing par partialed, uh, parceled out for Magic Online is a big tell. So before this announcement, the, the, cha you know, the Channel Fireball kind of panic sell that that caused, like what one of the things, one of the counter arguments to that article was, I think GoatBots said this, card prices are not indicative of the health of Magic Online. The, the, the better indicator are ticket prices and ticket prices are stable. So there's nothing, you know, it's, it's just the reprints that are causing the prices to go down. But after that article was released, there was the panic sell and which ticket prices started tanking. So yeah, the stuff was happening to the uh, economy. And then this article came out and they're like, wait, where's Magic Online? More panic. Right. And then tickets went down further. People uh, bought, stopped buying collections, stopped buying tickets and things like that. And now we're recovering slowly. But the fact that there's just no mention of Magic Online, the fact that $10 million is being invested and just like nothing for Magic Online does not 
make me believe that there's anything with Magic Online, even for enfranchised players like us, Seth. I think they're going to wean us off Magic Online somehow. Even though today, the only place to play modern, legacy, vintage and stuff is Magic Online. What does that mean, right? If we can't play it at the highest level, if we can't get a piece of that $10 million prize pool, what does that mean for us? And I, I feel like whatever answer you get, it's going to be bad, right? Like, this is not <laughs> what we want to hear, that this is going away. Like, there's there's... There's no support, and maybe it's happening a lot sooner than we thought it would happen. Well, okay. So I'm going to... I think your arguments are pretty reasonable, but I'm going to come at it from the other side, where we already did have the Magic Online announcement about more money being added to the Magic Online Championship Series, uh, ways to qualify for the Pro Tour, which is now these mythic championships, the tabletop championships, playing like Pauper and Vintage, et cetera, et cetera. So all that stuff happened slightly before this announcement. So while it is definitely... uh noticeable that Magic Online is not mentioned in this announcement. Uh, this announcement doesn't undo the past announcement, and Wizards has like, confirmed that on Twitter, that Modern is still a big part of competitive play. It's one of the most important formats. We will see Mythic Championships in the Modern format, that Magic Online will still be qualifying people for Mythic Championships. So while it's definitely true that Arena has surpassed Magic Online with the amount of support it's getting, it's not like Wizards pulled the plug on those things. So there still is a way to get a piece of that pie. You don't get the piece of the pie uh, directly, like being invited to a million dollar tournament, but you still qualify for million dollar tournaments or whatever going through Magic Online. So I think that it's a little bit oversold at this point. And I still think that when it comes right down to it, um, People still love other formats. People love modern. People like Commander and Pauper. And these are, especially modern and Commander, are two of the most popular tabletop formats, if that's the terminology we're using now, but paper formats in all of Magic, like rivaling standard in terms of popularity. And I still think that until another client, be that Arena, be that another game that Wizards makes in the future, gives people a way to play formats like Modern in digital form, I still don't think that Magic Online is going to die. Like, maybe its importance will continue to be lessened. That makes uh, a lot of sense to me. I could definitely see that. But I still think, like, when you have a paper GP that you're going to, or a paper Pro Tour that's in Modern, uh, you're going to need Magic Online. And even if you're not someone who's playing on the tournament scene in paper, if you just love those formats, I have a hard time imagining that someone who modern is their favorite format or pauper or legacy is just going to be like, all right, I'm going to stop playing my favorite format and just play 100% standard all the time. So have you seen old yeller, Seth? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think when I was a kid, yeah. I've never seen the movie, so I'm going to give you my interpretation of it. Okay. So, so magic online is the dog. And it's it's time to put the dog out. So the dad takes the dog out to the backyard. The dad is Watsy. But the dad has a change of heart. You know, he, he just can't do it. Like, old Yeller makes too much money. You can't just, you just can't put him down like that. But what he does is he just releases him into the woods. Now, old Yeller is an old dog. <laughs> can't, can't hunt. Has lived inside this cozy farmhouse entire life. There's no way he's going to survive. Uh, as a domesticated animal in the wild, but he's technically still alive, right? Like the dad didn't kill him, didn't shoot him. He's just running around the woods, but his days are numbered, right? He can't hunt. 
you know, he, he might survive a few more days. He can't get any new food. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's never been here before. And he's just eventually gonna die, right? And I think that's what Watsi is doing, right? Watsi is not explicitly killing magic, but no support means magic online is eventually just gonna die out meanwhile back at the farmhouse the family has a new dog already it's like a cute little puppy everyone's in love with it that's magic arena so i feel like that's what's happening here like yeah they're not killing it but without actual support like we know how bad moto is today with bugs and problems like that imagine that with like half of the budget as they siphon more budget off of the magic online development team onto arena uh it'll just get worse and worse and then eventually everyone will forget about Magic Online and it'll just whimper and die somewhere out in the fields. And then that's it. Oh, <laughs> right? But, like, but, that's but, what's going to happen. But, but Richard, puppies, they grow up, they get less cute, they get worms or whatever. <laughs> and then eventually that lazy old dog sitting in the corner starts to look appealing again. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I really wish I had, you know, old Yeller over there in the corner. Just, uh, I wish I could pet it every once in a while. So I, I think, uh, I don't know. You, you could very well be right. I still think that regardless of your take on the future of Magic Online, if you think it is dying a slow death, if you think it will keep chugging along as the the third way to play Magic for people that want to play Eternal Formats, regardless, you shouldn't be panic-selling your collection right now. There, It's not like anything said, uh, we are pulling the plug on Magic Online. If you're panic-selling at current prices, I think you're going to end up regretting that, because we know modern Pro Tours and GPs are coming up. Uh, so even if you want to sell out your Magic collection, uh, on Magic Online, my advice would be to not do it right this minute. Wait a couple months until it's modern season and give prices a chance to recover. And we've already seen in just the last couple days, uh, prices recovering, ticket prices, uh, bots buying again. So I think even if you are you do want to sell out of Magic Online, I think you should not do it right this minute. Give it a couple months and I think you will, you will be happy that you waited that long, even if your plan is to sell out of the client. Because the prices are just so low at this point that you're you can't really lose much by hanging on a couple months and hoping for a recovery yeah and one piece of news we didn't talk about was the number of magic players quoted uh in the most recent numbers quoted by esports observer the number was 35 million players and previously it was 20 million uh which leads me to believe 15 million came from Magic Arena. Now, who knows where these numbers come from because the methodology is not released, how much of it is double counted, but if any fraction of this is correct, uh, you can see the power of Magic Arena bringing new players into the game, which is where Watsi wants to be, right? There's only so many ways you can milk existing players out of their money, right? But new players, they, they, they have huge wallets that they haven't sunk into cardboard crack yet, right? So this 35 million is means 15 million from Magic Arena, which is why I believe all of this is happening, right? We never saw these numbers from Magic Online. We never saw this from, I don't know, the reimagining of the Pro Tour before or the reimagining of organized play. Uh, so this, this big chunk is probably Magic Arena and probably why all of this was set into motion a lot sooner than we all expected. Uh, I mean, I don't put very much, uh, <laughs> 
weight into those numbers. I've just seen too many numbers from Wizards in the past that make me scratch my head and I'm like, yes, I'm sure that they're like legitimate in the whatever way they happen to count them, but I just have no idea how they actually count stuff like that. I do think that Magic Arena has certainly led to a huge increase in the player base, and I agree with most of what you're saying, uh, but I don't know how much weight I put in that actual number of 35 million. So, There's just been too many weird numbers in the past where I've been like, eh, I, I don't know about that. So, so there's truth to that, right? We don't know, and if they just do this number out offhandedly, no one would care. But it's being backed by a $10 million investment in esports. And that's the number we should care about, right? Like, because Watsi knows what these real numbers are. They know how they're calculated. And they saw it and they're like, okay, $10 million in the esports. So because it's being backed by this huge change, I tend to believe uh, what these numbers are indicating. Maybe it's not $35 million, but the fact that it's 1.5 or sorry, 0.75 times more uh, then before it's growing at a large rate, I, I, I believe that part of it. Yeah, uh, I definitely believe that that Magic is growing and that Arena has done a lot for bringing new players into the game. But the, the exact number, eh, I mean, just take it with a grain of salt, just because we don't know the methodology or how it was counted. And every once in a while, we see numbers where you're just like, huh, that's a that's kind of a head-scratcher. I'm not sure how you came up with that. Like, I'm sure there's a methodology, but I, I without knowing what it is, uh, it's hard to say. But regardless, I think overall... Exciting times. Like, I think my overall takeaway from all of this is 2019 is going to be a really exciting year. And I don't think in the history of Magic, 25 years of Magic, we've seen this sort of investment from Wizards and from Hasbro towards supporting the game. So uh, it should be an exciting time for pretty much all Magic players, even though, uh, you know, it's the top 32 that are getting the contracts and this and that and Arena and Magic Online and all this stuff. Overall, I think if you're a Magic player, it should be a pretty exciting time based on all this stuff that we're getting from the announcement. Yeah, the most exciting thing is that they use the word tabletop. <laughs> because, you know, on, on MTG Goldfish, we use paper and online. We have no idea how to differentiate this and to explain to new players, hey, look, you can play with physical cards and then there's digital cards and then wait, hold on, in digital, there's arena and then magic online. And it's just very confusing. But now that Wizards has come out to call it tabletop versus arena, uh, it'll make things easier trying to explain to new players. Like tabletop means physical cards, Arena means arena, etc., uh, etc. Et so I, I, I actually like that they they have actually named their paper tournament something, and it's tabletop. So we got to use the new words, tabletop. So, <laughs> so, 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 what do you think of <laughs> of uh, ta- let's see, how how would this actually be? Uh, Cleveland tabletop mythic championship at Magic Fest weekend. Yep. <laughs> I don't know about, I don't know, what do you think of these namings? We have Magic Fest and now we have Mythic Championships. Is that really better than Grand Prix and Pro Tour? I I dislike Grand Prix and I dislike Pro Tour because when you search for them, you find all other kinds of stuff, right? Like a Grand Prix uh, is a very common name for an event. So naming it Mythic Championship uh sounds cool it's like oh it's mythic right even if you knew nothing about magic you're like oh this sounds good right and it's a very magic related word so it'll be easy to find it as unique you're not going to have this problem where 
uh, Magic Fest people from EU are t- you know tweeting at you to change the name, right? Like I don't think Mythic Championships been taken. Uh, maybe you got to check that, but it's very specific to Magic, so I like it a lot more. All right, so uh, one last really quick topic that we're going to hit fish mail. Last thing that just came out this morning, uh, this weekend is the Magic World Cup, the last Magic World Cup, and a short article came out for Wizards this morning saying that they will be doing sub-only chat. So uh, what do you think of this, Richard? Uh, chat is always a hot topic or has been for a while now in the Magic community. Uh, sub only is a pretty significant change. What do you think about this change? It's bad. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of Twitch is chat. And they, you know, we understand Twitch chat can be toxic, right? But you can't take the good parts of Twitch and ignore the bad parts, right? The The real response is to up the moderation team, right? Give them, you know, more resources, more people, and, you know, keep this out. But what they're basically doing is just killing chat into sub only so i don't like how they're handling this like the whole point is you're you're able to just log on joe schmo and participate in this magic tournament but now you got to be a sub to do that and you know what subs can be toxic too so they're gonna have to deal with it anyway so i i I don't like where this is going and i feel like they've missed the essence of twitch right which is chat twitch chat is the whole point of twitch otherwise just use YouTube or something, right? Like, I, I don't know, right? Like, this this is a heavy-handed approach, right? This is like, oh, I got a paper cut, amputate the arm, right? Like, that's what this is. So I don't really like where this is going. Yeah, I, I am in agreement. I'm not a fan of the sub-only chat. I My position has always been, and still is, if magic chat is toxic to the extent where it has to have no chat, then that's fine. But I feel like we've never really tried just from like talking to moderators and hearing them talk on social media i don't feel like we've ever really tried to beef up the moderator uh, moderator team support the moderator team in a way that could potentially solve the issues because if you read through the twitch chat a huge percentage of the actual comments are somewhere between positive and benign. And then you have a smaller percentage are the problematic combat uh, comments. And I, my feeling would be it would be better to try to fix that 5% or whatever it is, probably smaller than that. It's probably uh, 1%, whatever that is of the toxic, problematic comments with moderation, supporting moderators, paying moderators, whatever you need to do rather than just chopping off the entire thing. And if if Wizard tried and they said, all right, we're going all in, we're getting more mods, we're going to give mods the support they need, maybe we're going to pay at least some of the mods, like the, the top tier of the mods that are there working really hard every event, like if they try that and then it still didn't solve the problem, then sure. If you got to shut the whole thing off, okay, I can come around to that. But I feel like they just went from uh, zero to 60 without trying anything in between, which is a, a little bit disappointing to me. And my big fear is uh, now that they've done this, it's going to be very hard for them to go back is my thinking. Like they, uh, once you have it shut off and you're like, oh, okay, this is, the chat is great now. There's only like two people talking, but there's no toxicity at all. It's going to be hard to get wizards to come around to the idea of like paying moderators, uh, putting more money and effort into this. And I think it's even worse right now with Magic Arena, where the idea of Arena and all these changes and doing Arena tournaments is to bring in these new players and new players, the expectation 
information is, you're going to be able to uh, interact in the chat, and doubly so you're not going to be able to have your questions answered. Like, I feel like new players that stumble into this with this big push towards Arena uh, and can't get their questions answered, don't know what's going on, uh, you're actually kind of like reducing the chance that that those players keep watching the tournament and get involved in Magic, which uh, right now with the big push, uh, the big push towards arena seems like the worst time to not allow those new players to interact at all. Anyway, I think that's all, Richard. Fishmail. If if you could survive, can you handle fishmail with your sickness? All right. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So, R. Sasveld, how does Redemption on Moto affect standard? Tabletop prices. I use tabletop instead of paper. <laughs> the increased focus of standard in arena caused paper standard to eventually increase with less redemption. So it's hard to know exactly how much of an impact it has. We have a couple of competing forces. Uh, one is they've lowered the redemption window where it used to be as long as the set was in standard. Now it's three to six months after the set is printed, which is a pretty big change. So I feel like uh, that change is going to at least partially offset the shift towards arena for standard play. I think the biggest place that you'll see an impact of this is with foils, especially like foil mythics. Uh, redeeming a foil mythic set is an absurd amount of boxes you'd have to open in paper. Uh, I did the exact math one time, and I forget what it was, but when you get 15 foil mythics by redeeming a set, it's thousands and thousands of booster packs and hundreds of booster boxes that you would have to open. So I think that's where you'll see the bigger impact is on very specific rare cards like that compared to just your normal rare non-foil type card. All right, Steve Monty215. Do you think this past weekend's arena event featuring Cascade might be a signal that they are starting to develop Modern's potential on the platform? Maybe they slowly add old mechanics over time until they have enough to roll out Modern. So I'm going to say no. My thinking on... (laughs) I don't think that Wizards wants Modern on Arena. That's by, that is my current thinking. Like, I think it's a net negative for Wizards to put Modern on Arena. Mm, so I don't think the Cascade event has anything to do with Modern, but I do think that Wizards is furiously brainstorming ways of getting Modern onto Arena. Like, there's, if you just ignore the mechanics for a second, there's all kinds of, like, economy issues of getting, like, how are you supposed to build, like, Jund? or something you know like do i need to open packs from like 80 sets like i i don't know how it would work logistically but my guess is that they will get modern eventually and it's gonna be something like modern masters kind of like uh they did with magic online with um what are they the masters edition sets where they're like okay here are all the important cards <laughs> we'll put them all into a set make you draft them or something and then this is how we'll release them onto the platform because i do think that with 10 million dollars in esports and whatnot they're trying to figure out how to get modern off of moto and onto arena in a sane manner right and they, they cannot do it by just releasing all the sets one by one they got to do something special to make it work jc thacker 21 what mana colors would each Hogwarts house align with? I'm getting a Demir vibe off of Slytherin. Oh boy, Seth, how much Harry Potter do you know? Uh, <laughs> I have never read the book or even watched a movie. What? You so, not even the movies? 
Not even the movies. Have you taken the ride at Universal Studios? <laughs> no, no, I know nothing. I'm the worst person to answer this question. Oh boy. I, I did read the books. I watched like half of the movies. The movies are just kind of boring, so I didn't watch them all. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll go easy. Gryffindor. Gryffindor's got to be like white green or something. That's that's my guess. And then I don't. I, I I can't. I can't do the other houses. This is too difficult. We we don't. We we need someone who actually reads and breathes Harry Potter. Wow. So Seth, yeah. no MCU, no Harry Potter. Nope. Okay. What's magic? What about Star Wars? Uh, so I, I do know Star Wars. My younger brother was a extreme Star Wars nerd uh, when we were growing up. So I, I know Star Wars from him. He just, that was like his favorite movie series and he was very into it. So I know Star Wars because of that. But have you personally watched the movies? I have watched, well, not the most recent ones, what? but I've seen, I've seen <laughs> the six, I've seen the, I've seen the six uh, real ones. Wait, are you counting one to three as real, but not not the newer ones? <laughs> I saw, I, I did see the one that came out this this past year. I haven't seen that one. Okay, okay. Like the latest one, but I've seen, I think, all the other ones. And I haven't seen, like, everything in the Star Wars, like, universe or whatever. I know there's, like, a lot of Star Wars stuff out there, and I haven't seen all of that. But the main movie releases, except for the most recent one I've seen. Alright, we finally found a pop culture franchise <laughs> that Seth knows about. So, uh, next week, send him all the Star Wars fish meal questions. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. Don't put me to the test. Uh, Cameron Vine, what was your favorite modern deck that got banned? Ooh. Hmm. What's a deck that got actually banned? Like Splinter Twin? Birthing Pod was sweet. I, I like Birthing Pod. Like, it, it did get too good, but it was a really fun, like, toolboxy type of deck, and you get to tutor up whatever you need for a certain situation. So if, if you could have Birthing Pod be fair, where you weren't just assembling combos and winning the game instantly, which would be even worse today with Vizier of Remedies and Devoted Druid, but if it was fair Birthing Pod, I think Birthing Pod was a really sweet deck. Death Right Jund. <laughs> that deck was so good oh it's so broken uh all right mint black lotus in four years will we have returned to ravnica or innistrad again Ooh. Hmm. i think zendikar is more likely within the next four years i think we will return to zendikar again innistrad in ravnica it's possible i'm sure we will keep returning to them but uh, i uh, what was it last time like five-ish years i think four years yeah. might be slightly too soon i think i think we'll be there in four years i think they're gonna accelerate it i think they're gonna see that people like ravnica and innistrad uh, maybe because they bombed zendikar they're not gonna have the right data <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I think we'll return again i i think i think guilds is something that magic likes to push uh, so I think Ravnica will be very likely. Bass Von Bassadin. What is the infamous Japanese tournament? Does it really exist, Seth? <laughs> it does. It does. It does. So uh, so the, the infamous small Japanese tournaments, basically, uh, Hallelujah Games over in Japan, they publish like all of their tournaments. If they run a 20-player a modern tournament, they're going to publish the top list from that tournament. So uh, it's... Mo it's uh, I think it's 
partly because Japanese players, their metagame is slightly different than it is here, but it's partly that they actually publish small tournaments that a lot of other places don't, and it's much easier for a janky rogue deck to randomly go, you know, 3-0 or 4-0 in a 20-player tournament than it is to top 8 a GP or something and get the list published. So we see more spicy decks just because it's easier with a smaller tournament like that. All right, Luke Chopper. With the reprinting of dual lands and standards such as checklands and shocklands, what are opinions on dual lands that would enter untapped by progressing the game in some way, like a raid or surge land? So if a creature attacked this turn, this land comes into play untapped. Hmm. I mean, that would be a thing you could do. I don't think a surge land in specific would be especially great compared to the current cycles of dual lands we have, but I mean... If Wizards just runs out of... <laughs> there's only so many different ways you can make a dual land, so uh, perhaps we will see set mechanics on lands in the future. I don't think it's impossible or, like, too broken or anything. What What if they're fetchable? Mm. What about a fetchable raid land or a fetchable surge land? Uh, still probably wouldn't be very... I mean, maybe aggro decks would want them. I guess if you're attacking with Goblin Guide, maybe you play it in modern with your, your fetch lands, but... I think it would probably still be fine. Yeah. I think... I don't know. It depends on the exact mechanic, but I think they'd be pretty good. Uh, because, like, if it's Raid or Surge, if you're in the right deck, that's not very hard. Like, you... You know, you cast Ponder, and then you fetch for an untapped land. Like, that's fine, right? Like, so I, I think there'll be effectively dual lands in a lot of decks. They'll kind of be opposite of the fast lands. Like, the fast lands, most of the time, they come into play untapped. And in that weird scenario uh, where... You know, it's your fourth land or maybe like the check lands where that weird case where you actually just draw two of them and they come into play tapped. Uh, you're going to get that sometimes with these special mechanics. But for the most part, I think uh, your deck can get around them. Like Raid and Surge are pretty easy depending on the, the deck more, you play. The more you talk about it, the more I kind of like the idea because uh, one of the aspects of older formats that I dislike is you have certain lands that are just no matter what deck you're playing or the correct lands to play like in modern you have fetch lands and shock lands it doesn't really matter if you're aggro control combo like that's the ideal mana base same in legacy fetch lands original dual lands it would be cool if there were uh, like you said in certain decks maybe you want this weird uh, weird land over some of these other lands it would be cool to see lands that were situationally better than uh than the standard lands that we have now but only in very specific narrow decks i think that would be be cool to see a more diverse mana base in older formats yeah knowing watsy it's like if you attacked with five or more creatures this turn <laughs> we're like ah, okay <laughs> yeah. uh but good idea uh kisan kajay would printing containment priests into modern make the format less degenerate or is having a big or is having a body a big drawback over rest rest in peace uh so i mean i think containment priest would see a decent amount of play in modern um, I don't think it would just straight up get rid of Rest in Peace. I think uh, the body is part of it. And also Rest in Peace, it hates on Snapcaster Mages. Storm is a something that Containment Priest misses on. So I still think that you'd see a lot of Rest in Pieces. But I think that we would see Containment Priest uh, at a very minimum as a sideboard card because it it does have a body, which in a deck like Death and Taxes is an upside, and it still hates on a reasonable number of degenerate strategies. Yeah. I I don't know why... Like, 
the creature decks would play containment priest like i don't know like company decks and things like that but would you randomly jam containment priest into other decks I, I feel like it wouldn't really change the format too much i feel like it would just be some incidental hate for like green white decks yeah i think it's more yeah i i think that's kind of where it is like humans death and taxes i think those decks would want it and then it's possible other decks would want it if the meta was in a certain spot like if grishul brand and dredge are the top two decks in the format then you're maybe you know heading the containment priest direction all right jay shrewd do you think the 10 million dollar prize announcement will impact card prices in any way people already pay hundreds for a chance at fnm promo or 25 dollars of store credit will they pay more when real cash winnings are available um i don't think so i think like hopefully more players play the game in an absolute sense but in theory that just means more players are opening booster boxes and there's more supply out there so it kind of evens out so i don't expect this announcement to make standard decks uh, you know way more expensive or anything like that yeah well do you think do you think this will bring brian kibler back uh if he's if he's one of the 32 that is <laughs> that is locked in then probably I, I'm sure he makes way more money. I think Brian Kibler is far gone. <laughs> but you might get other pros that switch to other games coming back over. And, you know, they'll have to buy Magic cards. So it'll, like, increase the price, but not dramatically and not I think, directly. I, I think what it does do with someone like Kibler is... Uh, if you can just play a qualifier to uh, get into a million dollar event or something, I think there's a chance you see Kibler like people streaming an event like that. I don't think Kibler is going to drop Hearthstone and go back to Magic full time, but it might get him to play more Magic than he was, you know, six months ago or a year ago. Yeah. All right. Last question. Maxi Wawa. Richard Seth should take an obscure format you're passionate about and make 10 videos of matches about it. Even if it doesn't take off, it'd be fun to explore. What is an obscure format that you're passionate about, Seth? Oh, man. Huh. I don't know if I really have one. Most of the obscure formats that are appealing to me aren't on Magic Online or on Magic Arena, so it's hard for me to actually play. I think I really like the idea of, like, Canadian Highlander. It sounds like a really cool format. The point system for putting in powerful cards, that appeals to me. But there isn't really a way to make content about it. So if it's something I can actually play, uh, maybe, like, Singleton on Arena is kind of fun, but it's not up very consistently, which makes it really hard to do content of. Uh, Legacy, maybe, if we don't do much of. But those are those really fringe formats. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any format that exists today that I want to try. But I do want to try some of those Hearthstone brawl like formats where you get special rules. Like imagine playing a game of Magic where you could just pay two life to draw a card at any time, <laughs> right? And then like you just try to like and like no maximum hand size. <laughs> right and you just try to like pay enough life to like draw 10 cards uh but not die so you have to play like a, a gain land or something but like those kind of formats i want to try uh kind of like momir momir is like really fun and weird but we've played so much momir that doesn't count anymore but with magic arena doing their weird events like these some of these weird events could be pretty interesting or maybe something like doubles your mana every turn uh that would be cool so 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 brief request uh, to go along with this. Uh, 
Magic Arena, please just put up these events for like a week instead of just a couple days on the weekend. I would like to make content about these events, but the problem I keep running into is even if I manage to record them on the weekend when they're up, by the time the video goes live, the formats are gone and no one can play them. So I'm like putting up a video for essentially a dead format, which I've learned with drafts on Magic Online. People want the format to still be available when it goes up. If you record a cube and put it up after the cube run is already over, people are kind of like, eh, man. What does this matter? So make up a week like Hearthstone. Just have it run for the entire week. It would make it so much easier to do content on. That's a good point, Seth. It seems like Magic is catering to the Twitch crowd, but not the YouTube crowd. So they gotta <laughs> they gotta get on this. <laughs> uh, so that's all our questions this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode. 201 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Feel better. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting this show. Check about spikesacademy.com. 10% off with the coupon code Goldfish. And with that, we'll be back next week to talk some more magic, whatever is going on. Until then, have a wonderful week. And this is the crew signing out. Yeah.